0: Welcome to Right to the Point, a podcast featuring honest conversation about biblical solutions to America's cultural challenges. Hi, I'm Tim Throckmorton of LifePoint Ministries. To learn more about LifePoint and to access past episodes of Right to the Point podcast and commentary, and if you'd like to support the podcast, just visit LifePointUSA.org. So we're, we're glad you've joined us today in this episode. I'm honored to welcome a tremendous leader and a good friend, Dr. Brian Powell. Dr. Powell, welcome.
1: Hi, Tim. How are you? Thank you for having
0: me. I'm wonderful. Thank you. Uh, his resume is glowing. Let me mention Dr. Brian Powell serves as the superintendent of the Kentucky District Church of the Nazarene, a network of over 100 congregations across the Bluegrass State He's passionate about equipping pastors, planting churches, and missional leadership. Brian and his wife, Heather, met in high school, were married in 1991. They have four children and two wonderful, marvelous grandchildren. I know that because I'm a grandpa as well, so we have that in common. And I want to mention Brian Powell brianlpowell.com, and I'll mention that again later on. So thank you for joining us. Dr. Powell, when we look at the culture around us that God has entrusted to our stewardship as, as pastors, this is a challenging moment, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it really is, Tim. You know, you mentioned my grandkids and— uh to, to date that's my favorite gig uh, I mean it's the best uh, it's the best thing that I've ever been able to be a part of is their lives there's nothing that brings me more joy you know and when we consider this culture that we're living in and the confusion um, that is so rampant and the normalization of, of really depravity um, it, it really concerns me uh, for my grandkids Um so, yeah, yeah.
0: That, that's a that's a motivating factor for me as well. It really changed my uh, perspective when my grandchildren were born. And so with all that's happening, God's given to us, he's called us, all of us, to be watchmen on the wall in a sense, to speak biblically to what's happening and that's something that many pastors in America shy away from for one reason or another. They have their uh, either excuses or, or, or uh, stands that they take. But we must speak to these issues, and clearly articulating on those from a biblical perspective is, is sometimes seen as offensive. So how do, how do we address that? How do we equip the pastors, and how do we uh, encourage them to, to stand strong?
1: You know, I believe pastors today, uh, first of all, I think what we're dealing with is a, it's definitely a cultural issue. Um, its uh, I feel like so many pastors live inside the bubble of their local church. And in some ways, that's a virtue. You know, I mean, I certainly kept my nose to the grindstone over the years that I was pastoring. However, if we're not able to biblically speak to the reality in which they find themselves living then I'm afraid the indoctrinations of society is what's going to shape them more than Christ and uh, which today more than ever in our in the Western world anyway um, our culture seems to be at odds with the kingdom um, and so I, I feel like number one pastors, Need to, for lack of a better way to say it, um, get their head out of the sand. It's, uh, it's it's alarming to me how many are unaware of the impact of today's cultural shifts. And with that said, I also know there's a lot of pastors and leaders in the church who who see what's happening, who, who see what's unfolding, but yet they're gripped by fear you know, that they're, they're afraid of being canceled. They're, they're afraid of cancel culture. They're afraid of losing friends or losing leadership credibility or, or maybe even losing their job or their place within the church. And I don't know what it takes for any one person to overcome that. I just know that, you know, the call to ministry is a call to preach the gospel is a call to be an ambassador of the only message that has, uh, that, that has the power to change people's lives. I mean, to, in my mind, this is a, it's a life and death issue. You know, the gospel is, is life and death. It's heaven and hell. And so my prayer is that more church leaders and pastors would not succumb to the spirit of the age, but would be filled and empowered to speak clearly and, um, to the issues that we're facing today and really the issues we're facing. It's, it's all spiritual, Tim. Exactly. You know, it's this, this, a it's a war of ideas and it always has been, you know, that I, I think sometimes we think if we speak, then we're creating an us and them mentality, meaning we're against people. And that's a lie. We're, we're, I'm not against, we're not against people ever. In fact, to, to love people would be to help them understand, help them see, give them the tools and the resources to see the spiritual war that's going on all around them.
0: Amen. Well, you know, you and I were talking about tone a moment ago. There's a there's a winsome way to do this, and Jesus never shied away from whatever the topic needed to be, and, and there's a way to do that, and it, kind of share your your journey into that voice uh, that is 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 spot on. It communicates, but it does so with love and compassion.
1: Well, as, as a pastor for for a couple of decades, you know, like most pastors, you know, I just had my hand to the plow in the local church, and it is easy to sort of miss. Uh, what's going on around us when we when we get locked down or when our vision becomes very narrow. So um, when I became a district superintendent, my eyes were open to uh, some things that I personally didn't know existed in my own denomination, uh, call me naive. Um, and so I think when pastors are first exposed to the spirit of the age uh, and— especially once it works its way into the ranks of the church, that, first of all, that they don't know how to respond. They, they feel ill-equipped, and, and I would say rightfully so. Um, second, they they don't want to respond because they don't want to to get bogged down or tied up in in that war. They don't want to be seen as antagonistic. They don't want to be seen as politically incorrect, um, but at the end of the day, what's helped me with tone, when I was first exposed to a lot of these ideas floating around today, I was, um, I have to say I was shocked and um, and saddened. I mean, people that I had known and walked with all my life, as they began to buy into these ideas, began to treat me, I felt like an enemy, you know, and so yeah. that was that was really eye-opening. I've had literally people uh, I've known all of my life, uh, people who grew up in the same church uh, and was discipled by some of the same people even that has gone down this progressive pathway and have reached out to me to say, well, you know, I can't associate with you anymore. And, And that's, that's heartbreaking, you know, because it sees people as the enemy. I don't, I feel like maybe it's a, a spiritual, a lost spiritual discipline. I don't know what to call it. All I know is I've had to, within my own spiritual journey, within the own my own discipleship process, it's really imperative. I'm, it's easy to say, it's easy to be cliche and say, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. We don't fight people. And, and we say that, but at the same time, uh, a lot of times I feel like Pastors get lured into that trap where it's an us-and-them mentality, and people then who have different views or opinions do become enemies. I literally—seriously, with all of my heart, I refuse to see people as an enemy. Yeah. And what we are facing today is the same thing the church has always faced. It's, it's, it's a battle of ideas. Uh, you know, repentance has to do with changing of one's mind, yeah. has to do with turning around. And so so the battlefield, even when it comes to the doctrine of repentance, is it is the mind, you know, we're, we're, we're not fighting in the physical. And so that has to stay at the forefront of these conversations, because when you start picturing people's faces and minds or responding to particular voices, it's easy to fall into the trap of oh well, that's my enemy.
0: <laughs> that's right. Um, I
1: don't have an enemy, yeah, you know I, I've for many years I've this this may be just very um, elementary to say, but f- for many years, I have thought to myself, if there's anybody in this world that I wouldn't sit down and share a meal with tonight, then I'm holding a grudge in my heart against people. And, and so I don't on my side of the street. Now, I'm sure there's many that wouldn't sit down with me. Um, but from my side of the road, I want to keep that clear. Amen. You know. Amen. It is a, a spiritual battle, brother. And, yeah. and as we speak to the issues, we got to realize we're this is spiritual warfare. Yeah. It's the prince of the power of the airwaves that uh, it's the spirit that is at work in altering the way people think uh biblically even and and christians like my main focus is how it's not only how it's impacting the culture but how it's impacting the church um i mean since when would we expect the world to be anything other than the world yeah yeah you know i mean god's not mad at the world he he loves he loves them he he wants to see them come to him um but truth has been so diluted and so I feel like the the battle is just raging on every front. But if we start viewing people, individuals, as enemies, then we've already lost.
0: Here, 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 here. I I'm a Nazarene also, and so I I'm there's a there's a kinship here that uh, Dr. Val sure. and I have for our own church. And then you, as the shepherd of a multitude of congregations there in the great state of Kentucky uh look with great concern over their spiritual health and well-being and so these these uh spiritual attacks and this this cultural shift is um, needs to be addressed biblically and not uh, through the eyes just of the flesh and what i feel it's what god says and how god sure. feels and how god loves yeah, with all the things you're doing you you've taken the time to start a podcast and let me mention again com. a time to speak is the name of the podcast it's on the, all the platforms we're on and you one thing And of the you, things...
1: also, you can also go to atimetospk.net okay and that's good directly to where you could listen or a time to speak with Brian Powell on pretty much any of the podcast hosting platforms.
0: Take, take this, listen to Dr. Powell. He's, he's got a great insight and I I deeply appreciate his voice in this moment because we live in, as you know, you really aim this podcast for a post Christian culture. Post-Christian society, right. and so there's there are changes happening at a pace that we've never seen before, and and so kind of address the issue of progressive Christianity. You did this in your last uh, your last podcast, and talk about that, yeah. and especially in the in the realm of human sexuality, because a lot of battles are being fought there, and the enemy is distorting and and holding people captive. Uh, in this in this arena,
1: well, you, you know, I mean, progressive Christianity can be traced all the way back to the early church. I mean, we we talk about the Gnostics; we're we're really it's it's the same spirit. It's just been repackaged. Um, it's this spirit of enlightenment. You know, uh, it's it's a it's a redefining the faith that's been passed down by our forefathers, um, but. In a nutshell, I mean progressive Christianity embraces unorthodox ideas that are married to postmodernism, to liberalism. Um, and and you know when when I say liberalism, I mean liberal theology that sort of has stemmed out of the uh, mainline Protestant denominations even of this country for for many years at this point. But but typically. So some key points as it pertains to this again, progressive spirit, this progressive mindset, is they have a very low view of Scripture, which which makes it easy for them to reject biblical authority. And when we reject biblical authority, then I mean, really, we're rejecting the Christian faith because that is the means by which God has revealed. You know, we talk about walking in the ways of Christ, making disciples in the ways to, to, to walk, to be like Christ. Well, God has revealed the, that life, uh, those principles, that mindset, what it means to be like and to live like Christ. Um, but it makes it easy for them to reject or and, and especially to, to draw from what they would consider metaphors, pretty much, Um. I mean, it's nothing for progressive Christians. And I'm not just talking about our denomination here. I'm, I'm, I'm observing progressive Christianity across the board. Sure. And so the far end of these teachings would lead one to maybe even believe that they don't need to take things like the virgin birth or the crucifixion or the resurrection literally to find meaning in those pair uh, in those narrow narratives. And um, another, another thing that progressive Christianity tends to do is they pit Jesus often against the God of the Old Testament and against like Paul and some of the writers of the New Testament. And um, anyway, it's uh, – it, it feels like with the progressive spirit of today that really the, the pendulum has swung to the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, now, because I'll be the first to tell you, I'm no fan of of legalism and fundamentalism, and I think that that has caused a great deal of harm in the Christian church, um, in, especially in the last uh, century, you know, but progressives go to the other side of that. And, and ironically, they can be just as hard nosed and legalistic about their views as you don't agree <laughs> with this progressive spirit, then you'll get canceled. You'll get ridiculed. You'll get mocked. You'll lose leadership and credibility if you speak out against it. And that's why so many pastors and leaders who don't align with the spirit personally, uh, who still love the Lord and believe the Bible, man, they just, they're scared to death. If, if they preach on it or say anything against it, then, um, you know, they're, they're fearful of what might come their way yeah. because, Ultimately, you know, this progressive movement has introduced radical shifts in our culture. When you reduce the Bible uh, to metaphors and opinions, um, I mean, you can pretty much do whatever you want. You know, you can, you can make it say whatever you want. And so uh, the, their low view of Scripture has, has, is introducing ideas that Christians would have never even thought of. Yeah, down, that in, in over 2000 years of church history and church orthodoxy, I mean, issues that play right into the political talking points of the day, like abortion and sexuality and gender and marriage and the nuclear family and universalism and and, and the list goes on. Um, the progressive mindset also is very much a universalist viewpoint um, it's, it embraces religious pluralism, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they believe that, you know, everybody's going to heaven, right? Uh, regardless of a person's religious affiliation. I mean, by and large, the progressive movement would believe that whether somebody's a, a Buddhist or a a Muslim or whatever, that they would still, that's just the means of grace by which God has revealed himself to them. And thus, uh, they would still fall under the umbrella of God's saving grace. And that thinking breaks abruptly with traditional Christian orthodoxy. I mean, we don't have the right to redefine the Christian faith and practice. It's been handed down to us. Yes. You know, and so when I say when I speak of progressive Christianity, um, I'm just it I, I say simply I don't think people ought to be alarmed I don't think we ought to be scared I don't think we ought to be running I think we should watch our tone I don't think because it's easy to turn it into a, a they're the enemy kind of mindset and I know people that subscribe to progressive Christianity that I love dearly that that I'd hang out with that I'd invite to my house for dinner <laughs> you know sure. they're not my now, if they come over, they know I'm going to want to talk to them about it. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: yeah, that's right.
1: That's but, good. But at the end of the day, isn't that what we're called to do as Christians, yeah. right? Amen. Amen. God loves God loves the sinner. He loves us. He loves—all I'm saying is, I, brother, it is very hard for me, and I don't know who it could be easy for, to arrive at a place that has just completely deconstructs the Christian faith that's been passed down for centuries. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, all of a sudden we're in this age of enlightenment and we've got better ideas than God about, about uh, the formation of human beings. And I mean, look at where our culture is today, you know, look at where we're at. Yeah. Um, so basically progressive Christianity and my research is it's unbiblical it's unorthodox, it's hostile, yeah. And um, it, it's, it's, and it's become mainstream in Western culture and in the Western Church. I would say just as a, a short time ago, when I say that, I mean 10, 15 years ago, it was far less prevalent in the church. But now, I mean, it just seems like it's infiltrated every segment of society, including the church. It's not just lurking outside the door anymore. It's in the pulpits.
0: And, and as you said, this is not a new thing. This is uh, Gnosticism. John John stood against this. And uh, in First John, that's, I think, one of the reasons he began his his letter with, I I, right. I heard him speak. I, I saw him. I looked on him. I, I touched him. This was real. This is not some myth. And... Here, where we are today, some of the research at FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview uh, with uh, our good friend George Barna, um, one of the most prevalent ideologies in culture today is what he calls moralistic therapeutic deism, and these components, you know, there's a belief in God, but this is a distant God, and we're just to be... Good to each other, and there's this universal purpose of life, no absolute moral truths, and, and God's going to let everybody in heaven. That that right. watered down ideology, and when you speak against that, and you're attacked, you're canceled, or you feel like you might be, or someone's going to say something, you begin to to not speak at all on that issue or any issue, and silence is seen as an endorsement, and that's that's a dangerous place. Uh, with love and wonderful uh you know uh, love and, and understanding we present the truth of the gospel and in the minds of people where sure. as you said the battle is we with the mind of Christ is is the is the greatest um, I think uh, tool in the toolbox to speak biblically to what's going on having the mind if we've got disciples real disciples they're going to speak biblically and uh, to the cultural needs don't you agree
1: Yeah, I I want to tell you, brother, um, some time ago, you you know, we all go through, I think, as leaders, as Christians, as human beings, we all face spiritual warfare. And and anybody that's ever anybody that's that's speaking, that's trying to make a difference, uh, then they're, they're going to face the battle with the enemy. And that battle's often in the mind. You know, I think even with Jesus and how he faced spiritual warfare, it's interesting to me that at Jesus' baptism, you know, the sky opens up and the father says, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. And then uh, immediately, uh, the very next chapter, Jesus goes out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And what's the devil do? He doesn't attack him physically. He's not even attacking him verbally he's he's just whispering uh in his ear again it's i it's a battle of ideas even there and what does he say if you really are the son of god in other words what the father had just affirmed he's already causing him to doubt it yeah and and so how did jesus answer e- every answer was a biblical response from the book of deuteronomy man shall not live by bread alone you know, so Jesus responded with the very Word of God. It's interesting to me today how this progressive spirit takes such a low view of Scripture, especially the Old Testament. But Jesus didn't. <laughs>
0: That's a good In point. In fact,
1: Jesus, Jesus, um, Jesus endorsed. He preached from the Old Testament. Yeah. Jesus endorsed the prophets and the patriarchs and and the biblical writers up to that time, and then he commissioned the writings of the New Testament. And so if, if, if Jesus didn't have a problem with the old Testament, um, then why should we, <laughs> you know, what I mean? but you mentioned one theological trend, uh, that, that lies at the, at the heart of this progressive movement is being sexuality. And I really think that is all tied directly to this ploy to deconstruct the biblical family, the nuclear family, um, but when I first started realizing how much of a hold this had on or impact it was having on the church, I guess it's been six, seven, eight years ago now, you know, in online discussions. I love I love to learn. And so anytime I can get in a discussion and, and talk about ideas with people, I I try to do it. I have learned that it's virtually impossible in these online group think, you know, echo chambers. Um, nonetheless, I, I can give you an illustration of how clergy within our own denomination, how their view shifted over the course of about five or six years. So when I first became privy to some of this shift, some of these shifts, they were saying things like, and this isn't verbatim, this is just kind of generically what they, the majority in some of these group think, uh, yeah. echo chambers online were saying, they were saying things. Well, I don't personally agree with same-sex marriage, but I'm okay with those who do. Right. Yeah. Uh, as as if the Bible wasn't clear on that issue. So they muddied the water right out of the gate, and, and then it shifted to I don't know a couple of a year, two years later. Well, I'm still working through what I believe about same-sex marriage. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Well, the same people eventually it became. Well, I believe God's okay with same-sex marriage within the confines of a, you know, a monogamous committed relationship, but I won't perform a ceremony because, you know, the denomination I'm part of doesn't hold that stance, but I'm okay with it. Um, wow. What a shift. <laughs> That's exactly right. But it, up there, I mean, they went on to say, and are saying even now, I believe we should work to change our position on same-sex marriage. Yeah. I think Got it wrong on this issue over the years. I mean, and so, so again, we, we draw this back into this idea it, it, that it's a battle of ideas, mm-hmm. right? And so the first, very first problem with that line of thinking is biblically speaking, there's no such thing as same sex marriage. Yep. That's I right. mean, God, it's that holy matrimony is, is a covenant relationship established by God between a man and a woman, a male and a female. Now we have to totally take that out of the hand, out of the hands of God, out of the hands of the Christian tradition, out of the hands of biblical orthodoxy, if we're going to make that a debate. And so then it just becomes a debate of human reasoning and human wisdom. Two men or two women uniting together in life does not equate marriage. Yet that's the term our culture today uses to describe it. Yeah, marriage is defined by God, biblically. Not culturally, but, you know, like so many other uh, terms and symbols even, uh, I think of the rainbow, uh, today's mainstream culture has hijacked these ideas, redefined it, turned it into something it's not, and the most alarming part is that so many leaders in the church buy into the narrative.
0: That's exactly right. You can't believe what you want to believe. You have to believe what I say it is or what this group says it is. And I there's there's what I like to call Dr. Powell this lost art of rejecting a premise. because right. some of these things at face value, okay, we got a problem before we take the first step into this conversation. And so uh, you know, it's the same way with with someone who's identifying uh, as a different gender. Wait, no, no no, no, that's that's a non-starter here. There are a lot of things on and on. But here, lovingly, entering a conversation and speaking biblically to this is is such such a, 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 a we have a great opportunity i think sure. <laughs> incredible incredible opportunity to reach into the hearts and minds of people who they're searching for something especially these young lives they're searching for something and you know i, I think the asbury uh, revival has brought great hope to to my heart for the young people in our culture that God is at work and He's still able to transform minds.
1: Brother, we um, the, what has happened at Asbury? And uh, although that's not a Nazarene school, it is a Wesleyan Holiness school, and it's it's located geographically on my district, and so we've had an up close look at at what's happening there, and. I feel like that this generation coming up, Gen Z is um man, they've got a different heart. You know, um they they are really turning back to scripture and seeking the heart of the Lord on these matters. But th- I guess you maybe read the news where a Methodist Bible college in the UK fired one of their theologians yes. a month or so ago, and even threatened to report him as a terrorist. Yes. Um but just simply because he said homosexuality is invading the church. Yeah. I mean, that is true. It is. And 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 today, many churches no longer he, he went on to say something like they don't we don't see the severity of this because they're so busy apologizing for their barbaric homophobia. Yeah. And 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 he went on, this is a gospel issue. If sin's no longer sin, we no longer need a savior. And then I really love this thinking here, accepting homosexuality, the acceptance of it as not sinful. That is the controversy. Yeah. Good. But yet not to speak to it at all today is controversial. Yeah. And so I've had been in conversations, of course, with various leaders about we've got our General Assembly coming up this summer uh which has been a while because of covid usually it's every 4 years as you know but you know that th- as we talk about resolutions i've noticed this new sort of concern and that is well we might ought to be careful putting this on the floor or certain things on the fl- getting certain things to the floor because we never know you know ha- how so- some who think differently might try to deform the resolution and I'm thinking if we're at a place where we're concerned that there's that many people who have bought into this line of thinking that's going to be delegates on our assembly floor, then we've already lost.
0: That's, that's, that's true, Doc. It
1: really is. I mean, if we can't come out and have open conversations about the things that we feel like need to be amended or, or changed when it comes to gender, human sexuality, and we've got to worry that there's voices on that floor and in that assembly hall that's going to change it in a non-biblical direction. So we'd rather just not talk about it. Well, there's the hold of progressive Christianity. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's already there. If we're that worried about it, then it's already there.
0: Excellent point. Excellent point. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of head us toward the finish line here. Dr. Powell, your insights again, brianlpowell.com check that uh, website out. Also a time to speak. It's on various platforms. You need to hear this, uh, this leader's voice. I deeply appreciate him and, and what God is doing uh, in his life.
1: A time to speak is just, is something that it was, God had that on my heart even prior to COVID. But, um, with the COVID pandemic, everything kind of got put on hold and, it was just hard. I, I had coming out of COVID and kind of getting reacclimated to, to some sense of normalcy in this position. But finally I just came to a place where I was like, I've, I've got to, to do this cause it just, it just stayed on my heart. And, um, it were only five episodes in, um, but, and, and it's getting the, the, the quad, the production quality, I feel like it's getting better as we go. So, um, Anyway, brother, I I would like to speak to one other thing, if I yeah, could.
0: Yeah, please, please,
1: please. Um, you were talking about tone, and uh, several years ago, the the Lord, I, I landed in the parable of the prodigal son, which we're all familiar with. And I think so often we we examine that parable, and man, we we've heard all of us have heard a multitude of sermons on the prodigal himself you know, he asked for his inheritance. He goes out and squanders it. He becomes destitute and, uh, thinks, Oh man, I'd have it better. My father's house is a servant. Yeah. I'm going to go back. I, I think often we, we fail to examine the spirit of the elder son, the older brother. Um, and, and the Lord just landed me there for some time. And because what, what, Man, I can I can identify with the prodigal. I was the prodigal. I mean, I was a mess before the Lord, (laughs) you know, um, in in a whole lot of ways. But um, man, if if we're honest, I think all of us have had those times in our lives where we could probably identify with the elder son as well. When I the elder son, he comes in from the field, and he hears the festive music he 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 hears the dancing he smells the ribeyes on the grill if you will yeah he he knows there's a celebration in his father's house but immediately he is suspicious it, and the text goes on to reveal that he's resentful he's bitter he's angry and brother those things are not um th- those are not things that just come up in a person's life overnight. Right. You know, bitterness, resentment, anger, uh, jealousy, suspicion, all those things, it takes a while for that stuff to be cultivated in the human heart. And so I've come to a place, it's this spirit of offense, you know, and ultimately that's what cancel culture is. Right. Uh, and, And unfortunately, that's been happening in the church long before we've seen it run rampant in our culture. It sure has. Um, people write one another off for the smallest of reasons. And as I examined that, it, it just helped me to see that anytime time I am sensing offense, any time I'm sensing like I've been wrong or I, I deserve better or I'm angry, anytime any of those little darts start manifesting themselves in my soul, that has become a signal for me that I need to get with the Lord. Then I need to clear that up. And so in the story of the prodigal, no, we, we can all identify with the prodigal, but if we're if we're truthful, we probably need to examine ourselves in the light of the elder. But the ultimate way, the ultimate place that we want to arrive is at the heart of the father. Yeah. You see, if the elder if the elder son had a known the heart of the father, man, he would, he, you couldn't have stopped him. He would have ran to the table to embrace his brother. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But he couldn't. And so it, it just, it just, that, that illustrates to me that it's, it's very possible for us to get lost at home. We don't have to run off somewhere and fall into some deep life of sin to get lost in our, in our spirit, in our soul, for our soul to be unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. The elder had lived with his, been in his father's presence all his life, yet he didn't know his father's heart. Wow. And I feel like if we engage these issues today, knowing the father's heart, keeping our heart aligned with his will help us keep the right tone.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. That that was worth everything. Thank you, Pastor Pastor Brian, Doctor Powell. I call you a lot of things. It, I, I it, just it, call me whatever you. <laughs> <laughs> that that'll preach, and and I appreciate you sharing that. And I think as every pastor looks at these issues and prays, this is a wonderful perspective to have. Leaning into that. So thanks thanks for sharing that, and thank you for joining me. Uh, on uh, on the podcast today. For all of you, thanks for tuning in to, to learn more about LifePoint and to access past episodes of Right to the Point Podcast and Right to the Point Commentary. And if you'd like to support the podcast, visit LifePointUSA.org. Also go to BrianLPowell.com. Check it out. Share it. These are great episodes. Pastors need to hear them. And Dr. Powell, thank you so much for taking the time to join me, and thanks for being my friend, sir.
1: Hey, God bless you, Tim. It's great to be with you.